This is a show about facing fear, unlocking courage, and taking action. Courage isn't necessarily a daunting thing. It's going to give you more purpose. It's going to give you more drive. It feels like making a courageous decision is going to get you closer to who you aspire to be. It's knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage. That's how the brand was started, with a mission to do good, to be different, to help out the artisans, to partner with different charities, to make donations, to create an impact and make a change. The brand was always started with that mission. So it's pretty amazing every time we see the numbers that we're doing for these charities. So 12 years old, if I'm getting this right, correct? Happy birthday. Can you believe you. you guys are, can you believe you're 12, 12? Like, does it feel like a blink or does it feel like forever? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, we've been, we've been doing it for 12, yeah, over 12 years now. And it's just been, it's been quite the ride. You know, we, we started the brand from my bedroom floor in Pacific beach with me and my business partner, Paul went on a surf trip in Costa Rica. I met these two guys on the beach named Jorge and Joaquin and then brought the bracelets back to San Diego where we, you know, put them online, cold called surf stores, door knocked, gift stores, did whatever we could just to get the product in people's hands. And um, then we kind of went back to our roots where we just graduated from San Diego State University. And, you know, we hit up our contacts at the in the Greek system, the fraternities, the sororities made little announcements in their chapter rooms during their meetings and had our computers out and told people the story, gave them a free bracelet in exchange for a like on our Facebook fan page, which sounds like a long time ago, right? <laughs> Facebook Facebook fan page, seeing that big, that big thumb up for a like. And yeah, that was just our goal, get as many impressions and customers as possible until we attended our first trade show where we had a little booth at a trade show called Magic Project Show in Vegas. And my dad had a connection there. So it was actually his friend's booth and we... He gave us access to put our bracelet stand just on the edge table of, of my dad's friend's booth. And the guy ended up getting so frustrated with us because we had so many customers coming to see what Pure Vita was all about that it was just chaos. And we were selling so many bracelets, opening up so many new accounts. And my dad's friend was like, all right, I'm over this. Like, you guys take the booth. And it was our booth at the end of the, that show, which is pretty funny. What, what was he selling? What was his booth? He was just selling like clothes, just some apparel brand, you know, and all the clothes were kind of on the wall in cubbies and stuff. And we just had a, a bracelet tree that was maybe uh, six inches deep and 12 inches wide. And we had one person standing there. And I don't know what happened, but we were running around the trade show, passing out bracelets to all the brands, all the booths saying, come by for more, blah, blah, blah. And really just created this buzz. And I don't know, it brought buyers into the store. So then it kind of opened us up pretty quickly to be selling in like 50 stores after that first show while we were still going around to the sororities and fraternities, passing out bracelets at the beach um, in our hometown or in our college town that we just graduated from, Pacific Beach. And we just kept the foot on the gas. Um, you know, the first year we did 750K from my bedroom floor, got our first office down the street, four employees. We hired our best friend, Jared, and Paul's sister, Erin. Those were our first two big hires. And then from there, it was just, you know, getting people to fulfill, pack the orders, customer service, basic stuff for e-commerce. And then we started working with influencers and the brand really just skyrocketed from there. Griffin, so I think I read somewhere, September 29th is the actual official birthday, but you guys did five weeks in Costa Rica while you were still in college. So was it like you spent the summer 
like you obviously came back to the schools and you graduated and then hit the yes yeah, so it, it was our our college graduation trip okay. so we graduated college and then went to costa rica for a celebration of the culmination of college i mean it was there any point i mean again it's 12 years ago so like how can you and you're in costa rica but like any part of you that was like what the heck are we gonna do now yeah. I mean, I think, I think in our heads, we were just like, if this doesn't take off, then we'll just polish off our resumes and go find a real job. We didn't really want to do that. You know, we both knew that being an entrepreneur was something we've always wanted to do and happened kind of naturally to us. And we've always been, you know, leaders you know, in our, in our college and our social circles and our fraternity lives. So to kind of come up with an idea like Pura Vida, so authentically, so organically, like we just used our, our skills to kind of turn it into a brand. I always say market the creature, not the feature, right? And, and really, I don't think you've ever been selling bracelets. You've been selling a belief, like a way of life. Is is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, we've always kind of felt that way. Um, you know, it was always creating the brand first and selling the product second. You know, it's creating a lifestyle through the bracelets, through all the products that we make and the people that we work with and the visuals and the imagery and the social media, the way that you walk into our retail stores and our trade show booths, you're just like wowed by color, by happiness, by cheerfulness, by smiles, just a really feel good environment is what Pura Vida means. And ever since day one, that's been our goal. And if you look at our branding and marketing now, you know, it's still the same way. And, you know, I feel like we kind of jump right in. So I'm going to pretend that this is the open here. I mean, you guys took a $200 investment and you turned it into a $130 million company and amazing execution. Like you said, there's a true, like looking for the emotion, looking for the smiles, looking for the, the color. Uh, I think I read somewhere you've sold over two, 28 million bracelets, 2,500 different bracelet styles, Yep. designed over 11,000 products. I mean, what do you have in store for the next decade? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a big milestone, you know, just got to keep creating, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Just got to keep our eye on the prize, continuing to maximize what we're doing with our five retail stores, continue to be creative, work with top talent, continue to be authentic, telling a good story, donating to um, the dozens of charities that we work with and support, you know, being real, being authentic, and just, just really just being a brand that people want to be a part of. So can you share with me your role in the company? Like how's how, like between you and Paul, like what's the, what's the breakdown and responsibilities? Yeah. So we're both, we, we did rock, paper, scissors at the way beginning just to see who was like <laughs> CEO or CFO and I won. So I guess I'm the CEO and he's the CFO, but was it two out of really three? No... Was it two out of three at least? Or was it just one time it, out of the gate? It was I think it was two out of three, but okay. either 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 way, there's no seniority between us. We've always been sharing the hat of kind of like the leader of the organization where I focus more on marketing and he focused more on finance and operations and you know, kind of setting up like the structure of the business where I would always focus on the social media, the website, the design, the email marketing, and just like the more creative vision of the brand. And today, is that, are you still, still in that space? Do you still love what you're doing? I mean, maybe that seems like a silly question, but like you have been doing it for, for 12 years now. Yeah. I mean, sitting at my desk right now, talking to you. So there's the answer. Yeah. Well, where do you think, where do you think like companies, I mean, like there's been a lot of companies that have come and gone and 
I do think that love matters. Like I think when you love what you do, it shows and it ends up in the product. Like what advice would you have for any, whether it's fashion or just a brand, someone's listening, they're building a brand. Give me like the three pieces of advice you would give them. I think finding a product that's higher, like higher value to start with, just because digital marketing is so expensive that, you know, selling products like Pure Vita that are five to $10, you know, sometimes that marketing spend gets a little bit uh, difficult. So I would say a price point of something that's maybe a hundred dollars or more per item. I would also say you really want to open up a retail store and focus on wholesale right off the bat, you know, just have like three prong multi-channel approach from day one and just kind of be aware of the surroundings, right? Ecom is a lot more challenging. Influencers are more expensive. Cost of goods are higher. Wages are higher. There's more challenges than ever to start a brand right now. And I don't know if Pure Vita selling $5 bracelets would have been able to survive starting out right now. So sometimes brands are meant to start when they started and, and not always in the current situation. So I think that we had a mix of luck and a mix of creativity and a mix of timing, all three of those. We started the brand when Facebook was the thing and no one had Instagram. It didn't exist yet. We also started the brand when mobile shopping was not even a thing. It was all about buying on your laptop. So you got to think like we started the brand in a completely different generation, which is crazy. And we also started the brand when our organic reach was at 100% on our Facebook fan page. So you know, you flip that on its head when organic reach is basically 1% instead of 100. And now you're focusing on Instagram and TikTok. It's a completely different business model than it was when we started. So I think that brands need to realize what they're jumping into. And I think now it's about being a personality, very founder focused, having your face on the screen so people can see you and listen to you and talk to you and trust you and engage. I think that's really important you know, as opposed to just spending a bunch of money on Facebook ads and trying to, you know, become profitable off that model and then raise more capital and try to get a big valuation. That's kind of the pre iOS model. So how grateful are you that you guys were sort of founded a decade ago? I mean, just the fact that you went to college back then and then off you go versus if you launch today. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's timing. It's a completely different model. You know, I think that we're very fortunate that we launched when we did. And, you know, we created a brand that really fit a niche and serviced our customers in, in a time where affordability mattered and the cost of acquisition was much lower and there wasn't a lot of competition in the marketplace. You know, we were the only bracelet brand then. Now there's other bracelet brands. Now a lot of retail stores sell bracelets. So it's just, it's, it, it, it's just the cycle, you know? You said it like there wasn't any Instagram. I mean, there wasn't any Shopify. I'm pretty sure it was a WordPress site at first. Correct? Yeah, yeah. We were like we were on Magento, and it crashed when we had a big sale, and then we had to get all these developers overseas who only knew the Magento code. I mean, it was it was it was a disaster. And now, you know, it's much easier to run a Shopify store. So you know, this being a show about courage, I got to ask, like, as you think about, okay, let's say September 29th, 12 years from now, pops around. As you sort of stroll into your 25th anniversary, knock on wood, hopefully, what does Pure Vita look like that you could share? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll it'll even out on its like retail distribution and where people are buying the products from. I mean, I think our retail stores right now we have five. I think that that could grow to 20. You know, in our major markets, Amazon will become a bigger player than it is now naturally because 
our customers are shopping there. It's a much easier process than it is shopping on e-commerce sites. So for spending less on digital ads, then more people are just going to be spending more time and buying from brands through Amazon naturally. So I see Amazon becoming a bigger piece of the pie, retail stores becoming a bigger piece of the pie. And then I see e-commerce and wholesale kind of staying where they are or maybe finding some growth if, if uh, there's a different strategy. So let's say, uh, I'm just curious, like what a day in the life is like for you. So if there's like a pie chart of the 24 hours of your day, how does it get broken down for you? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, with, with work, it's just coming into the office or working from home, mixing it up. I deal with my team, work with them, creative team, especially whether it's talking about new campaigns, the visual identity of the brand, what new things we have coming up, what influencers we want to work with. What are some camp- big campaigns that we have, changes to the website, what we're doing in office, what events we have coming up, how we're going to continue to build the brand ambassador program. I would say anything that has to do with the end user looking at the brand and customer facing, you know, approving assets for the retail stores, stuff like that. And if there's, you know, again, fear and courage are brothers, right? So is there is there like a big fear that keeps you up at night or... You know, as the business continues to evolve or change, is there anything that you're like, okay, this, we've got to crack this nut. This is the one thing that I'm absolutely terrified about. I mean, I think there's still fear and uncertainty with like inflation and consumer spending. You know, we're, we're selling lower priced items, you know? So I think that the people that are buying the products might be more sensitive to higher costs in the marketplace or food and rent and you know, some of these things that have just gotten to be pretty high and unaffordable over the past year or so, I would say that's a fear. I think we really need to figure out how to like crack the TikTok code, which we really just smashed out of the park with Instagram. You know, we were the first brand in our space to hit a million followers then 2 million followers. Like no one was even remotely close to us. Like we just blew past everyone. And with TikTok, we haven't. So I think that that's something that doesn't keep me up at night but it definitely is something like hey how do we how do we do this because we haven't done it yet it's pretty cool to see how much revenue you've given back to charities or you know meals to feed america like when you think about what you've done for others is that like a pinch me moment did it always feel that way if it did yeah i I have a you know one of my little side projects is called sock problems and like Every sock socks a different problem in the world, and each sock has a different charity partner on it. And I remember thinking, how awesome could it be if you could create this win-win-win, right? Where it's like consumer gets what they want, charity gets what they want. You're supporting these causes. Is it still like a pinch me moment when you think about how much of an impact you've made? Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty amazing every time we do like the quarterly updates and you know see the numbers that we're doing for these charities. I mean it's 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 pretty awesome. And that's how the brand was started. You know, the, the brand was started with a mission to do good, to be different, to help out the artisans, you know, to partner with different charities, to make donations, to create an impact and make a change. So the brand was always started with that mission. So to me, it's always kind of been like that. Did you always have the entrepreneur bug? Yes. Before Pierre Vita, I had three other businesses in high school and college. Can you share? Do you mind sharing them? Yeah. First business that I did was I was selling stuff on eBay um, in my bedroom, just like random things that I found at the swap meet with my dad when I was 17. 
I used his social security number to basically have an <laughs> eBay account because I, I couldn't get one yet because I wasn't 18. And then I started to sell these like little cars and these little candles and stuff. And then one day my dad walked in and like, he's like, why is everything in your room kind of gone except your bed, you know? So I told him I was selling stuff on eBay. And then I found someone that was uh, selling cell phones, like used cell phones on eBay. And I asked him if I could buy a couple. And then I bought a couple and I marketed the ad better than he did. So I sold them pretty quickly. So then I asked him if I could buy a couple more. And I ended up selling, I think, maybe five phones a day on eBay with like a margin of like $20 for all of my senior year of high school. So if you do the math, it's a pretty substantial profit that I made that last year of high school. Then from there, went to college with a good amount of cash that I earned from that eBay business. And when I was in the fraternity, I started doing graphic design for the Greek system, t-shirts, hoodies for the sororities and fraternities, started buying hundreds of t-shirts, selling them at a margin. And then, you know, you can do the math there, dozens of sororities every every, uh, semester and fraternities. Then from there, when I turned 21, I moved to PB. I realized that there was a niche for the knowledge of happy hours, because when you're 21, you want to save, save a buck or two when you go out with your friends. So I made a list of all the bars and restaurants in PB, created a website for them that changed daily with the specials at all the bars, pay me every month to keep the specials up to date and fresh. And then on the weekends, I would host events at each of the bars and restaurants that would pay a fee per person that walked in. I mean, first of all, wow. You know, I mean, it's pretty awesome. All, all the things that you've been able to just accomplish. And I'm assuming you see yourself as a pretty curious guy. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm curious. You know, I, I ask a lot of questions. Um, I think I always like to find a creative way to make things easier or better in like a social environment that I'm in. Um, you know, whether it's just with my friends or whether it's, you know, hosting someone's birthday or whether it's making a fun event on the weekend. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of always that person and I enjoy it. And I think it just really shows that like I have I have a big interest in in the community and making things fun and engaging and just making sure everyone has a good time. So whether that is with a business or a personal, that's that's kind of been always my personality. I mean, have you had a chance to like look behind the curtain of other C-suites and how they establish themselves and what those teams look like? Because where I'm going on this is, and this is good for the listener, because you and I have never met before. This is like the first time we've had a conversation. And so the way that I we describe courageous is three levers. There has to be knowledge, there has to be faith, and there has to be action. And you need... You need all three. So we have a knowledge gathering team, which is the think side of our business. We've got a faith building team, which is the feel side of our business. And then we've got an action taking side of our team, which is the do. So the think team, the field team, and the do team. But when you see most C-suites, it's like 90% think, 80% think, 20% do, and like feel got left off the table completely. And like the way, well, the way you talk about creativity, I wish people could see me like nodding my head why do so many teams miss this part? Like, why is it getting left off the table? Or are you seeing something different? You're like, actually, Ryan, I, I don't see it that way. I don't know. I mean, I think it just kind of has to come natural to the founder. You know, some founders are born into tech and data or finance, or some founders are just really good public speakers and, you know, good at raising money and, you know, making, making that kind of their narrative. But I feel like for me, it's always been creative, energetic, fun, community, and just really creating a vibe, whether it's a, the culture on Instagram or the culture with my friends on the weekends, you know? Can you turn it off? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's kind of just my personality. But when I'm when I'm on, I'm on, and when I'm tired and not engaged in something, then my true colors will show. You know. As a creative person, do you feel like? And as an entrepreneur, you're like, I know the next two or three businesses I want to start. Or are you like, no, I, I'm pretty laser focused on like what I need to do for Pura Vida. No, I, I kind of think I'm just living in the moment and doing in the moment. I'm, I'm not really, I'm not a big planner. I kind of just like where I'm at right now. That's not a terrible place to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming, I mean, as you're smiling, I'm assuming you're happy with how this has all turned out so far. Yeah, yeah, no no complaints. Do you think that at some point you will, like, is San Diego your home now, or do you feel like you're still an L.A. guy who happens to live in San Diego? No, I've been here for, like, 15 years now, and I have a place here and a place up in, up in Santa Monica, so I kind of go back and forth. So my, my dirty little secret is that I was in New York forever. I thought this was like a stopping ground to LA. You know, I thought I was going to come here and write movies from the beach. Uh, never meant to like live a movie, which is how it's felt for me a little bit. But I absolutely love it here. Like I find like it's like the best kept secret. And still, when you say San Diego to people, they don't, it doesn't register for them. Like they're like, oh yeah, let's, uh, maybe I'll go visit. But it's like in the shadow of LA versus like a place that people want to live at. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just very different. You know, I, I definitely spent a lot of time in LA, probably like a third, a third of the month in LA and two thirds here. I think LA offers a little bit more liveliness and, you know, kind of like that upbeat vibe, a little bit of a city vibe, kind of like a, like a New York, but by the beach. And then to me, San Diego is very chill, very laid back, very nice, no traffic, easy, convenient, could walk everywhere. Don't have to worry about crime or anything it's it's pretty it's pretty mellow did you um did you ever have any mentors that you turned to or did you sort of just have to figure it out yeah i mean I actually just had lunch with uh, my mentor um just came from lunch with him yeah he's he was my senior year marketing professor at san diego state and he actually he he and i connected because he sold a business and then retired for six years and then became a professor at san diego state because he was bored and I was in his class and basically we just had a great connection and became friends and he ended up going to my graduation dinner. And that was right when I graduated college and I just had lunch with him an hour ago. So oh, who he's been it? a part, Stephen Osinski. Okay, cool. Very cool. So yeah, he's been, you know, a mentor, you could call it business, personal family, whatever. Um, but he's always been a good, good coach because he went through starting a business, selling a business, retiring, getting married, having kids. So he's, he's a good, uh, a good role model. You know, are you, are you in the getting married, married, have kids? Are you any kids or married or not there yet? No, not right now. The, 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 the business is the baby. Yeah. Does it feel like a baby? Does it feel like, or does it like if, if the, if the brand was, how old would the brand be? I know you said it's 12, but like in your mind, where is it? Is it a teenager? Is it a, is it in college years? Where do you think the brand is? I don't know. I never thought about it like that. I, th I think the brand, the brand is it's kind of like how we started it out to be just, it's always evolving, but I think that our kind of core customer and demographic and branding style is, is consistent to how it began. You can totally allay this question if you want, but I'm just very curious. Like in your mind, do you see the brand staying independent forever? Or is it something that you think at some point 
you'd sell um and if yes what do you what do you hope like okay let's say you did sell it what do you like you're like if you do anything if you get one thing right with the brand make sure you blank what's what's the answer there so we did get acquired three and a half years ago oh there's the answer okay great yeah how's that been been good it's been it's been a you know a fun ride you know we've been with the parent company for three and a half years now and it's kind of been a merge of our brand and their brand and you know keeping the culture separate but migrating some of our like systems and accounting and logistics and legal and stuff like that kind of onto their platform and and in your mind why were they the right fit well we spent like a year interviewing partners we had 25 meetings with with different buyers and we had seven offers and then we had two companies kind of come back and forth with offers and um, we decided to go with a company called Vera Bradley because they were you know founder started you know by two best friends two women best friends and they created a handbag out of passion and it ended up becoming a very big sensation um, when they started the business and ended up going public for like a billion plus dollar valuation and they had a really great you know, experience with it. So after meeting with them, amongst all the other private equity firms that we interviewed, we felt that they were a good fit culture-wise and they're big in donating to charity and it was started by two best friends and it just felt like a really good fit. Is there like one big takeaway that you've had since you've started working with them? I mean, they helped us open up five retail stores, which I don't think we could have done on our own. You know, they've definitely you know, helped us become a little bit more streamlined and organized and, you know, help, uh, helped us open up some big key accounts on the wholesale side. So they've definitely, you know, helped with some of that stuff, but they kept e-com separate, kept our marketing and branding separate. So, um, you know, it's kind of what happens when there's like a, a purchase or acquisition. They, they want to bring in some of the, the nuts and bolts into their business. Um, as we kind of come to a close here, I'm curious if, uh, if you're mentoring anybody right now. You know, I have some friends that I that I talk to about their businesses. I mean, I don't really give it like an official mentorship, but you know, I'm I'm kind of an access point for them with like questions or you know what they need help with or a problem they have. They just email me and I send them the answer like in a second, just because I'm I'm passionate about entrepreneurship and problem solving. And you know, a business like us, you know, we've we've seen a lot of things come our way to get to the size that we are, and we've overcome a lot of challenges. And I'm not saying we've know every answer by any means, but we definitely know a lot for e-commerce startups. As, as you think back to the last 12 years, is there a moment where you're like, wow, that was actually really courageous of us to do X, Y, or Z? Is there like, let's say there's a podium, a gold, silver, and a bronze moment of courage. Do you know them off the top of your head? Or is there like one major courageous moment that you would turn to? I mean, I think maybe a courageous moment was when we told our team that we were getting acquired by a bigger company. I think that was really difficult to overcome just because it's been the Paul and Griff show for, for so long, for eight and a half years, right? And then three and a half years ago, we got acquired and we had to make an announcement to our team. And it was courageous. It was, it was tough. It was, you know, we were scared. We had a pit in our stomach the night before. How are we going to make this announcement? Is everyone going to leave? Blah, blah, blah. Like it was, it, there was a lot of fear. And we told them, you know, why we did it and the passion behind it and the reasoning and, um, you know, it, we overcame it. And then I think we we made a, a great move and we're happy we did it. Did anybody, did anybody bail on you guys? No, no one bailed. It's pretty awesome. I mean, like what I can sense from this, and again, first time you and I have ever chatted is like, 
what I really appreciate is how real you are. I, I mean, I think keeping it authentic and just sort of telling you like it is, it's nice to see that. And you don't always see that with founders and entrepreneurs. So, man, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it's amazing to watch the the brand grow. Uh, and also, like, you're helping, like I said, the artisans. I think I've read over 800 artisans that you've worked with, sold over 28 million bracelets. Uh, all right, I've got, I've got one more for you. So if you weren't doing this or when you choose not to do this, do you follow in your mentor's footsteps and teach entrepreneurship? Do you go to the beach with the book? You're so close. What do you do? No, I, 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 I don't think I'm, I would go to the beach with the book. I think I would just see the next opportunity that comes my way, provide value where I see fits, get involved with a, a small startup or guide two founders or coach them or, you know, just find a, an area that I'm interested in and either consult or, or help. But I think I could provide feedback to startups from like a knowledge point of view, but also just kind of like a high level creative point of view as well. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Greg. Appreciate you. Of course. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Courageous Podcast. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. See you again next week.